This episode is sponsored by Henderson's Hearth. You know, it's clear that Amy over at Henderson's Hearth puts so much heart into the ingredients in her creations. They're healthy, easy to prepare, things like soups, bread mixes, jams, and just like Sam Hewn, steeped in Celtic tradition. The ingredients are either grown by her or acquired locally and prepared in small batches. One of the products that caught my eye early on was the orange ginger marmalade. It reminded me so much of growing up with the Paddington Bear series that I knew I had to order it. If you've ever wanted to know the secret to talking bears, their orange marmalade is exactly what I imagine is worth keeping an emergency sandwich under your hat for. And while I don't have a hat that could hold a marmalade sandwich, I can put some on a delicious slice of their Irish brown bread. And what do you know? With their bread mix, I made it myself. And that pairing is just so hearthy. Oh, that was punny. <laughs> no, that was good for the soul. Just like their soup mixes. Oh, no, you did it again. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, though, I can totally vouch for this because the soups are so delicious. I tried the beef and barley, which was hearty, and the Henderson soup mix, which is one I've never even heard of before. Um, it was so good. It's their take on a Scottish recipe with lentils, brown rice, split peas, and barley. And all of their things are perfect for any gathering, including the one you have alone with your cat in a good book by the fire. Oh, and did I mention the mulled cider spices? Oh, so good. oh my mm. gosh. Pretty much all the items at Henderson's Hearth are vegetarian friendly, and so many are vegan friendly too. So thank you, Henderson's Hearth. Hello, and welcome to the Modern Romantic Podcast, where we celebrate romanticism through art, storytelling, nature, music, poetry, creating, and passionate people doing incredible things. Hello, I'm Anigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Kidding. I am joined by... That is, was such a terrible accent. I am so sorry. Uh, Mandy Vitinka, and I'm especially sorry to you. Uh, I am joined by my co-host today, the photographer, a.k.a. Emily. Hello. Uh, we also invite you uh, to share with a friend. I'm going to say that again because I feel like I goofed it. Uh, we also invite you to share us with a friend. There we go. That's the money. Or more than one. <laughs> or more than one. Or like the whole gaggle of friends, everybody. Or gaggle of geese. I feel like they would like podcasts too. <laughs> Um, a murder especially... of crows. Isn't that what a group of crows yes. are called? Is murder? Yes, a murder Share it with your local murder of crows. There you go. <laughs> uh, Emily, would you like to introduce our lovely guest today? I would love to. She is my friend. Uh, today we have Amber, and she's an incredible designer and cosplayer. Her looks have spanned from Harley Quinn to Medusa and back again, rhymes notwithstanding. She also is a three-time Charlotte Condom Couture design winner. So, lords and ladies, Wonder Women and Aquaman of the realm, please give a warm welcome to Amber Linnea. Yay! Thank you so much, Emily. That was lovely and definitely pumped me up way too much. <laughs> Although, I, I did for fun. Um, I, I set up some of the costumes that I've made in oh, the background. So I'm so glad. As we go along through conversation, I'm happy to describe the characters in the process and then my action figures over here. 
proving that I am indeed a card-carrying geek, are all badass women from alternative story tropes. So they aren't the classic. So the Wonder Woman, for example, isn't the classic, you know, uh, star-spangled bottoms and the eagle. It's actually an atomic Wonder Woman from a video game. And so her bra is made out of a football and her skirt are ties. And she's carrying this this chainsaw on a stop sign uh, pole as if she had pulled it out of cement. So they're all alternative badass women. I love that. I love that. And I love that that's part of what you do, too. You put that twist on it, which is unexpected, and it makes people think, and it's original and unique. Love it. And that's that's what I, I, I love. Trey and I were, are chatting briefly. I mean, Emily, that's what I love about cosplay is because, yes, it is taking somebody's character, but there's so many different flavors and ways to adapt it, certainly to fit your body shape, right? I mean, translating something from 2D to 3D is both an art and a science, but it's also adding little flares to it. So, you know, I, I did an Iron Man that was this beautiful corset and Vogue styled skirt with a light at the front so I could walk down the runway with my dogs, all dyed with, with dog save dye to match their characters. So my little six pound Lilu was the Hulk. I had a Thor. <laughs> Just to walk down, it was it was a dog show at, at one of the local things here in Charlotte. And so it's that alternative flair, though, that I think really makes me appreciate and embrace cosplay. I love that you also had your dogs appreciate and embrace cosplay as well. Oh, do you know, Emily, it's always so interesting. So one of my first forays into pairing with one of my dogs is I did the character Shadowcat and Lockheed. And... Uh, Shadowcat is Kitty Pride. She has a familiar called Lockheed, who is a purple dragon. And so my six-pound Italian greyhound, again, with very dog-safe dye put on by a professional groomer, um, was dyed purple, and I made her little purple wings. And then I had the classic, you know, Shadowcat. I made this bodysuit with this, with the, I guess it was the 70s or 80s sleeves. I mean, this, this was old school. And took her to a vet. Y'all, she totally upstaged me. Everybody lost their minds about this little Italian greyhound who was dressed as as Lockheed. And it, it was a lot of fun. I only, of course, choose safe venues to bring them. But after that, I was like, you know, I can handle being upstaged by my dogs. That's a reasonable upstaging. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's stuff like that. Um, going to different cosplay events and seeing, um, seeing a lot of the... Uh, da, 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 the action figures that you have or taking that kind of approach to it it's it's that level of creativity that i look forward to it's yeah it's nice to see someone like do exactly what the character looks like and it's nice to have those like photocopies um for i don't know just kind of like nostalgic things to actually see it in person yeah. Yeah. but but the flair and the alternative like that's what i look forward to um like seeing Thor, if he was, I don't know, a princess with like a huge ball gown. Mashups. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or um, what was someone? Someone. So, okay, someone was the neighbor from Home Improvement. The like howdy neighbor, right, and they right. took they took this portable fence with them around the uh, around the event, and he would just stand behind the fence as this person, and that's who he was cosplaying as. So it was like. Not even, not even a uh, comic book character. Oh, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. It can be any genre or character that you want to celebrate. And in addition to mashups like that, I love the gender bent versions. 
So, um, so I, I actually have a, a life-size mystery machine. My handsome handler and I tricked out a 1960s Econoline band. And so the outside is the true Scooby-Doo mystery machine. And the inside, we used orange shag carpet to line it. Fun fact, you cannot buy <laughs> orange shag carpet on rolls anymore. Apparently, it's not popular. So we had to cut up bathroom mats to get the whole interior lined with this orange shag carpet. And we have it wired for light and sound so we can have Scooby-Doo episodes playing and, and that sort of thing. Well, the, when we debuted it, we had an all-female Scooby gang. And it wasn't one of those, I mean, every once in a while, you'll see those like super sexy gender bent things. We literally were playing the characters. And so it was the four of us as females being the Scooby Dane. Interesting fact about that particular story. Um, I borrowed a Great Dane for the debut of the Mystery Machine, this, this wonderful, uh, big Great Dane named Apollo, who unfortunately was lost. He, he, he passed away last year. But uh, the Great Dane friends of North Carolina let me borrow him for the day so that we could have a Scooby too. And that is the reason one of my dogs is indeed a Great Dane now. She is, she's a she, but she is our resident Scooby. And she knows the sound of that van that she's going someplace to be admired. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and I remember that night too, when you had, I wasn't there, but I remember seeing the, the posts online with um, all the characters and... Yeah. Um, some of them, I think I know who played them and it was, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that looked really fun. It's, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things and, and cosplay in general, but also to, to the conversation of, it can be any pop culture, any character you love, right? There are certain things that span everybody. Scooby-Doo and the Mystery Machine and the gang are pretty much universally loved, and so it's a great way to bring together all kinds of diverse audiences to celebrate it. Um, and I always, I always think that's that's super interesting. I mean, there's there's a lot of stereotypes about the cosplay community. Certainly, the geek, the geek community has a lot of stereotypes. But it's that it's that kind of bringing together of appreciation of a character that makes cosplay and makes the comic book conventions. Does that make sense at all? Absolutely. Yes. I, it's when someone is so, there's a, how do I say it? I'm going to say it the way that I, that I, it's popping into my head. And if we need to adjust it, I will, but this is the way it's appearing in my head. There are people that are obsessive about comics. Like it has to be so on the nose and that I don't feel is always celebrating the artistic side of it or what it truly means to enjoy something. And it's those that are, that are really invested in it, who look for those sorts of, and really celebrate everything that comes along. Those are the people that I look, that I love to see enjoying cosplay. It's, and, and you're absolutely right. I, I would say there's one exception to that. So okay. uh, we lost a great comics illustrator this year, George Perez. Uh, and mm -hmm. it was a very public story. You know, he shared his journey with cancer and that sort of thing. Well, when we do tributes to him, we try to stay very true to his artwork. Again, the art and science of adjusting it to your body, but because it is a tribute and a celebration of his life, we do try to stay very, very true to you know what he actually drew. But otherwise, anything is fair game. You celebrate the character you love, you create the character you love, you go gender bent, you add a twist to it, whatever makes you realize or feel Actually, that's part of it too, is feeling that character. It's just, 
it, it, it comes to life. Um, I have, although I say that, but I have an exception. So I tend to villain, I don't princess. And yes, those are verbs. And I don't consider myself a villain in real life. They just have such better outfits. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I loved, I don't know if you guys saw the Disney Cruella that came out recently with Emma, mm -hmm. Emma Stone. Emma right? Stone, her, yeah. Stone, her last name. Um, totally costume porn, right? And a total retelling of Cruella. And I am systematically working through her wardrobe. And it makes me think, because I say that I villain, and technically all the other Cruella versions that I've made are villains, but that's such a complex character that's neither black nor white. It's a very gray character, right? On what she is pursuing. So for Dragon Con last year, I made the military outfit with the really long red skirt. But if you remember the scene, she climbs up on the Baroness's car and flings around this red skirt. It had shoulder pads that <laughs> they were a pain in the neck, you guys, because the shoulder pads had multiple kind of military themes on them, horses and cannons and that sort of thing. And by mm -hmm. the time I made this shoulder pad with all the pieces, it was so fracking heavy. We had to use earth magnets that could hold like up to, gosh, I think they could actually hold up to 90 pounds. Obviously it wasn't that, but it was the only way that I could get it to stay on the jacket. And um, right now I, I did make her the, the coat in the concert. This is actually 20 yards of fabric. So it's really fracking heavy. Um, and I'm currently working on her garbage truck dress. So if you remember the, the scene, or for those who haven't seen it, she's taunting the Baroness with this beautiful corset that has a newspaper on it that says, Cruella, is she the future? And then it turns around and she's on a garbage truck and this skirt, which goes on for eons, just rolls out. So I'm, I'm, it's, it's obviously not going to be that long um but it's going to be about uh, it's, it's going to be almost 20 feet so i'm not really sure how i'm going to navigate it on the con floor uh, but my point is it's embracing the characters and if there's something that inspires you you know regardless of what pop culture is it tv is it is it the the home improvement neighbor next door <laughs> no, so one of my favorites actually and we're bringing it back to dragon con this year did you guys did you watch the vacation movies the national lampoon vacation movies it's been a long time, but yes. Well, so um, so in order, I would rank them Christmas Vacation, Vegas Vacation, the original Vacation, and European Vacation. Well, mm -hmm. a couple years ago, there is um, from Vegas Vacation, the wife falls, is wildly in love with Wayne Newton. And so she comes out in this gold outfit, this gold kind of leotard and skirt that has Waniac on it. And, you know, a cowboy hat that has a big W on it. And so I made that for myself. But that wasn't the that wasn't the appeal. My handsome handler, and we should talk about that. Handlers are critical for cosplayers. He actually dressed as the guy on the street that was taking fake license photos so that Nick Papa Giorgio got his, his photo. So we made this huge photo with a screen accurate um, Phoenix license plate on it so that people, just as we were you know, walking around the con, people could put their heads in the square opening and get a photo as though they were Nick Papa. I'm not pronouncing it right, but Papa Giorgio, Nick Papa Giorgio. Um, so that, that was something kind of interesting and fun and a little obscure. Can you explain? Explain to our audience what a handler does for those that might not know. Yeah, Emily. So um, 
this is partially my flaw. So I get so caught up in the creation process and the design that sometimes I forget that I need things like somebody to hold my wallet or somebody to collect photographer's cards. I never remember pockets. Actually, I never remember to build in an easy way to go to the bathroom, but that is a whole other conversation. <laughs> so, so handlers, cosplay handlers are the individuals who for the time being, not always, but for the time being, they are with you as your support. So my charming and handsome husband is indeed my handsome handler. He has his own social media presence and he does everything from carry safety pins if I need something put together to collecting business cards to when I wore the Cruella skirt that covered the car to making sure that I could get down the, the hallway. I had a Medusa that was on a motorized tail and so he made sure that I got it on the elevator and that sort of thing. Make sure I'm drinking something that's not just alcoholic <laughs> so that I stay stay hydrated. And so he is really the, the, uh, the support behind it. Oh, and quite frankly, he's also the one that makes sure that nobody touches me inappropriately. So cosplay is not consent is a big statement that is in the, the cosplay community. And um, I've been fortunate that I've never had anything terrible happen, but I'll give you an example. I was dressed as a Tana and I had a circus skirt that was a nine foot diameter is what goes through the middle, right? Circumference is the circle. And so diameter Correct. is through the middle. It was a, at least a nine foot diameter and it had a little circus um, tent opening in the I front. I remember so this one. Out. Yeah. It, oh my God. Um, so the top, I, I made the corset and the, um, the suit jacket, you know, the tuxedo jacket that she wears. I actually did not make the circus skirt. I found, I bought it from another talented cosplayer whose name escapes me, but somebody tried to crawl into that to take a photo. And, you know, my handsome handler stopped that. Somebody tried to take my top hat to, you know, to, to wear in a photo with me and he stopped that. So the handler is a, is a really critical part. Uh, at Dragon Con last year, um, I did, and we, I have a backup handler, my dear friend Robin, who comes with us as well. There was one costume last year that I needed three handlers just to get through the crowd. So it's a critical component. And I'm, I'm talking too much, but I do have to share one quick thing. No. So, <laughs> I, I am the one who likes to dress up. I, I like to, you know, take on the persona. And I'll be honest, in real life, I don't. But when I am dressed up, I love having my photo taken. I mean, I'm kind of a media whore. Like, I love having my photo taken. Um, and, and my handsome handler and Robin are, are my handlers. Well, the one time we reversed and my charming and handsome husband actually dressed as Sully from Monsters, Inc. Oh, yeah. And oh, I was, yeah. yeah, oh, my gosh, it was great. It was like that whole, I'm not going to say furry. It was a whole mascot costume sort of thing. And I was supposed to be his handler. Well, thank goodness Robin was with us because I was a terrible handler, you all. I mean, he couldn't see in this giant furry head that he was wearing as Sully. He couldn't see. And I kept getting distracted, like looking at other costumes. And so he would run into things. And he actually ended up as Sully walking into one of the parties in the Dragon Floor host hotel. Um, fortunately, it was late afternoon, early evening. So it happened to be a, 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 a child-friendly, family-friendly event. And they were all excited about him. But I totally, I totally just let him drift in there. 
And I, I claim to him that it's because you'd be surprised how many women love Sully and have that kitty fetish because there were women draped all over him on the con floor to get their photo. Now he couldn't see them worth a bit, but I did. So I, I tell him it was just that I was jealous, but really I'm just a terrible handler. <laughs> well, you're not used to it. You're not used to looking for those things that a handler would have to. He's more exactly. in practice and your friend Robin too. Exactly. Yes. I mean, please, uh, please don't take this any other way, but I just love Sully in general. And if someone had like the audacity to dress up as Sully, like I am bounding over everybody. Like I'm going to be knocking over little kids to get to Sully at that point, just to like, just like bear hug. He's fabulous, isn't he? And uh, <laughs> it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's certainly a, a commitment costume because you're all dressed up, but it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because uh, Matthew, my handsome handler, he doesn't like to dress up. I think it's fab. I, I think it's fantastic when he does, but the only times that he has he has decided to dress up, he did Sully. When I did Weird Science, you guys remember that '80s movie Weird Science? I did Lisa in her ending outfit with the suspender leotard and the Shermer high and twirling her her, <laughs> her whistle. Matthew, bless his heart wore a bra on his head, which is what they were doing at the beginning to create Lisa. And all the way, we're, we're in Charlotte and Dragon Con is in Atlanta, all the way to Atlanta, he kept saying, I'm not wearing a bra on my head. I'm not wearing a bra on my head. I'm not wearing a bra on my head. <laughs> this was an evening costume. So we're in our hotel room, we're having a couple of pre-game cocktails and all of a sudden he's like, where's that bra? So we went out on the god floor and he did, bless his heart, wear, wear the bra on his head. But typically he's he's not a fan of dressing up. You know, it's interesting. There's in the in the chat, there's uh, some conversation around the mm -hmm. disrespect and, and having to watch. It's it, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's one of those things that and I'm going to get deep on you guys for a moment. Is that OK? Yeah, do it. OK, so, you know. I love all the Marvel movies. The DC ones, they've had a couple good hits, although I personally am a DC fan. You know, those superhero movies have created such a different and broader set of appreciators, which I do love that. But it does mean that people on convention floors have a very different dynamic. And I'm going to very wildly stereotypically, um, which I, I don't mean to be, but just to give the flavor, we do have a lot more of the um, drunken Greek party on the ground, male, female, they, them, whatever you identify as. But it's that it's that drunken college party environment. Um, and that has changed the dynamic of respect and consent. Um, it's not the only thing. Certainly when people love a character, I mean, you know, and you go, you went up and you go Montoya, you wanted to run up to Sully, which is totally respectful. Right. But it is the, it, it is the assuming it's putting your hands in weird places. It's I, I've noticed I, I've probably been cosplaying. Well, technically I've been cosplaying since I was six years old and my mother made me a cat costume and I answered the phone meow, but it is a noticeable difference, <laughs> difference over the last, I would say, seven, five to seven years. It's just a different crowd. And I'm sure there were problems before, but it just seems more pronounced now. 
Do you think it's because it's more mainstream? So it's it's not just the something geeks do anymore. It's it's more open and it's more accepting and it, more people are involved than yeah. maybe what used to be. Emily, I I don't want to say yes because I love that so many more people are enamored with the characters I love, but that's part of it, right? Yeah. I mean, the the uh, again, I, anybody who wants to embrace the characters I love, I appreciate. But it is a it is a slightly different dynamic than those of us who are old school and you know started going to conventions. I'm not even going to I'm going to redact how many years ago. It it is a it is a little different. Now going back, oh sorry, Trey. No, go ahead. Going back to the cat answering the phone. We would like to know your origin story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I, I grew up in a very small town in Illinois, uh, nowhere near Chicago, downstate, you know, borderline, uh, border on on Indiana, very very small town. Uh, but my parents were very creative. We were, we were teacher poor. We, you know, we, we didn't have a lot, but they were both very committed to education, but also to expanding creative horizons. Um, and, uh, so, uh, they would make, for example, my Halloween costumes every year. Uh, now some of that was saving money, but more of it was customizing what I wanted. So one of my very early ones was actually Tinkerbell. And so the green dress and the cellophane wings that they helped me with, I wanted to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex, like well before Jurassic Park. And so my mother made this crazy outfit with this long stuffed tail. And my dad helped me make this paper mache headpiece with a milk carton. Oh, as this. Yeah, it was it was it was really clever. Uh, interestingly enough, my, my brother somewhat he doesn't anymore, but he followed in my path. He's he's younger than me. He wanted to be a cow one year because it was his favorite animal. And so not only did my mother make the udder with the the appropriate pieces to it and a cowbell and he had, you know, some flowers on his horn, my brother named the flavors. So he had chocolate milk, strawberry milk. And I, I forget the others, but uh, uh, my parents really encouraged that so much so that even for random holidays, I would make things for school. So in elementary school, if it was Valentine's Day, I would make a crown with hearts. And St. Patrick's Day, I would do things. So the concept of dressing up and embracing celebration has been pretty much lifelong. Um, it was it was in middle school playing Dungeons and Dragons that I really got into the persona and the role playing. And then after I graduated from from college, from university and graduate school, when I was you know launched with this world as a so-called adult, when I realized there were other people that loved the th same things that I did, the same genres, the same characters, it just progressed from there. So it 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 started very young as a love of costuming and a love of a, a love of the characters. And then as I got older and I taught myself more, it became not about the not just about the characters and the celebration of those characters, but new construction techniques and constantly uh, stretching myself to learn something new. So Emily, I guess that would be my origin story. Okay. So if you're curious in middle school, and even when I've played a couple times as an adult, my middle school character was always a high charisma elf which is what I aspire to be in real life. <laughs> you know what? It's funny because, um, and our listening audience won't get this, but the costume to your 
the darker cost the Cruella costume over your shoulder has a yes. has this point on the um on the front and so when sometimes when your ear lines up with it you look elven <laughs> i love it oh it's oh, part no, of the it's the front part of the, the hood it's the yeah it's the very front of the neckline hood that when you I, it almost looks like a little wing but then when your ear lines up with it oh yeah there you go yeah look at that i love it i love it well then this might be a good time to introduce the other characters and yeah do it yeah oh, go please yes here. go for it oh, yes this is this is the concert and as i mentioned it's heavy af um so this is actually aisha from guardians of the galaxy that was oh, the all, yeah. all gold chick which mm -hmm. this is one of the cases where i went with the movie version rather than the original comic version and um, this technique here is denim and latex to create a an armor-like effect. And I have to give a give a shout out. I took tutorials and classes from Organic Armor is their name and their proprietary technique. And then I've used it since then. And so when I made the corset, I then afterwards went through and used this latex and denim to do this very elaborate design that it almost looks like metal. I mean, I don't know if you can hear that. It looks like it, metal. Yeah. It, yeah, but it's just fabric and and latex. And so wow. uh, this was, I think I, right, I wore this to Heroes, I, I made this and wore this to Heroes Con here in Charlotte right before the pandemic. Had to be all painted in gold. And so a, a couple of my friends joke about how they got to touch various parts of my body painting gold to go into this, which we still joke about today. And then this one over here, uh, so this is more than uh, this is more than thirty thousand hand strung beads, um, which was an extraordinarily laborious seed beads. So they're they're, they're super tiny. Um, and so this is the priestess from Avatar, and this took me, gosh, I can't even tell you how long to hand string. 30,000 beads and that the necklace is a clay polymer um, to, to be that to be that priestess character. So a lot of it is creating new to or learning new techniques all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing. That's one reason why I'm so glad you came to be on the podcast, because you are a woman after my own heart. You go for the drama and you go big or you go home. And that is what I love about you. <laughs> And you and I met when you created that fabulous monarch butterfly dress. I mean, yeah. there is nothing that I have done that comes close to that. I mean, that was exquisite, Emily. And actually, we I, I thought we met before that because we judged that costume contest at the... <gasps> oh, you're right. Yeah, oh, my gosh. At the con. Oh, Emily, we go way back. We do. <laughs> you know, I, it's funny because we're, we have a mutual friend, Lindsay Stewart. Yes. And we she, she was, was on one the, of the Scooby gang. Yes. Yes. She was one of them. And we had her on our on the podcast. And uh I I wanna say I told this story when she was on. I don't remember now. Someone can tell me. Or I'll go back and listen to it. But there was a time when um I had I had judged the costume contest with you and then I think it was the following season or following year when I came back to judge it again. And who I thought was you plopped down in a chair next to me. And I started talking to you as if it was you. And it was Lindsay. And I didn't realize it. And 
she started talking and and it did, took me it was pretty quick before you know i realized then that it wasn't you but with it in costume in garb and face paint and everything uh i didn't realize that it wasn't you and she said she was filling in because you were you couldn't be there and i was like oh i told so i'm talking to you like it's <laughs> like it's you <laughs> that may have been the year that i had live fish and fish bowls in my wig and i totally under underestimated the weight but let me let me talk about Lindsay for a minute and you know i don't know how much she protects that name so i'll just refer to her alter egos so Calista. Lindsay is one of the most amazing women that i know not only when she cosplays and she has a specific persona for her cosplay does she in body the character and pay attention to mm -hmm. the details. I mean, her classic bat, uh, her, her classic Catwoman was one of the most exquisite things I've ever seen. In addition to that, she also has a burlesque persona, mm -hmm. which I have never been so lost in speech as when I saw her emceeing or femceeing as they call it in the burlesque world. And she also has a Mrs. Claus that totally changes the character so that Mrs. Claus isn't a background. So uh, Lindsay is, is definitely one of my favorite people. And quite frankly, I am in awe of her and her ability to flex across all of those personas. And each one is so unique. And she does each one so well. Oh my God, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes, we love Lindsay. And as Archer in the chat said, and we love Ambrose now too. Thank you. Um, I'm going to answer a couple questions in the chat, like retiring a cosplay, but I, I, I did want to just, I, I mentioned the live fish. So Emily, you saw my story outfit. I am known for quirky touches and I've talked about my dogs, but those aren't the only living elements that I have incorporated in costumes. And again, to be clear, um, very safe, focused on the animal's welfare. I would never do anything that would harm an animal. And so in the recycled fashion story show, um, as you recall, I made a birdcage skirt that was literally made out of bird cages, And my model walked down the run runway with two live birds in each one of these cages, which the outfit was actually constructed from children's books uh, or pictures. And so live birds there. But I mentioned I did. It was did, so uh, cool. It was it so was, cool. Oh my God, it was so fabulous. Did and, you win uh, that year? You won, didn't you? I, I didn't, um, hmm. which for me, it's not about that, but I, I, I did create this aviary for them. So, yeah. you know, afterwards they had their own place and that sort of thing. And unfortunately they didn't live very long, but I, I took care of them after yeah. that. But the one that I mentioned, I did Delirium from the Sandman, which I'm super excited that's coming out, by the way. So one of my, my favorite authors, and um, I, I had this concept that I wanted to do Delirium in... Uh, she's so if you don't know the Sandman and I'm saying more to the audience, you know, there's the different emotions. So it's, I know I'm so excited for Sandman too. So it's like um, a delirium, despair, death. It's all these, these different kind of emotions. And I wanted to do delirium with those mermaid sequins, you know, the ones that you brush up and down that are different colors. So made Ooh. this slinky, slinky dress. But if you, when you see various illustrations of her, she has fish circulating around her head. And so I got this crazy idea that I wanted to have fish bowls and live fish 
And so I actually worked with um, an amazing wig artist. She goes by Crude Things underneath Etsy to, because I, I work with textiles, wigs are, are not my thing. I was absolutely happy to make the crazy sequin dress, but I worked with her to design this, this red updo that had uh, plastic fish bowls on it. And so I, and I put fish in them to be on the con floor. So I had live fish going through there, which by the way, a friend of mine wanted some of these fish for her office. So she actually took them afterwards so that she could have them in their little aquatic environment. But y'all, I so underestimated the weight that water adds. Oh. I lasted like 15 minutes on the con floor and I had to, we were supposed to be judging the contest, all kinds of things. And I just had to, had to leave. So that was, a, that was a, a good learning, but I, I did want to address, have I ever retired a costume and then dismantle it? Um, that's a good question. I would say, so steel boned corsets are very intricate to make especially when you make the ones that really bring your waist in. I mean, that's not just cosplay, right? That's Ren fair, that's uh, historical costuming, everything. But if, if you make a real steel bone corset that comes in, it's a heck of a lot of work. And quite frankly, a lot of money, because if you actually have the real steel bones and the multiple layers, the cotille, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Is that right, Emily? Cotille, but is- Close enough, the, yeah. The, the base of it. Um, so in fact, I actually have my, my back tattoo, which extends all oh, the way yeah. down my back and wraps around. So I can officially tell my mother that I only have one tattoo <laughs> all the way down. It actually has a corset in the back because I was very proud of that. And so uh, I have repurposed uh, corsets that I've made with different covers just because they are so labor intensive and expensive to make and i i I'm, I'm trying to think there there may be a couple i actually learned on stretch fabrics which very few people do i, I that's taught myself amazing so on spandex so i actually well yeah but emily you create these fabulous sculptured things it's only been in the last couple of years that i have used more structured fabrics because spandex you surge it up and it's 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 fabulous so there are some spandex pieces that i've reused in general, I'm kind of, oh God, this sounds terrible. I'm kind of a hoarder of the costumes that I've made. So I, I, I don't often. No shame. Uh, yeah. No okay. Shame. No shame in <laughs> that. No. Because uh, some of it is, I, I don't want to give them or sell them to somebody else because even though I know how to do couture finishing for myself, I don't always do that. So I would be embarrassed for somebody else to see them. I mean, I can do fabulous kind of double touches and things, but if I'm making it for myself, I kind of MacGyver it. Yes, um, same. So, yeah. so, uh, so other than some of the steel bone corsets, I, I, I tend not to tear things apart. <laughs> no shame at all. Thank you, whoever answered that. Right. Kaz <laughs> is um, one of our regular viewers oh, and awesome. participators. She's a VIP around here. Um we yeah, don't well, refer to we ahead. don't call hoard we don't call it hoarding, we just call it collecting. <gasps> oh my gosh, I'm so using that. Yeah, it's collecting. No shame in it. Pride. Um, in fact, pride.
this is collecting. <laughs> um, so for those of you who have been on uh, costumes anywhere, whether it's on a convention floor or it's for, you know, if you're doing a performance or you are in a musical or a professional play, you'll know that footwear is very important. And um, I am the queen, like, I don't always remember to build things in to go to the bathroom quickly. I am the queen of choosing the footwear by how it looks rather than its comfort. <laughs> so I, have racked up, I have racked up a hell of a lot of stripper shoes and boots, which if you think about it, they're perfect because they have lots of, I mean, they're, they're designed for women, men, trans, whoever is choosing to perform. They're designed to support them through a night of dancing. And so I have like stacks and stacks of exotic dancer shoes because they're the most comfortable Actually, for the, the Cruella garbage truck dress that I'm working on right now, I just got a, a, a cheap pair of boots off Poshmark and used um, Mod Podge to put um, newspaper all over it, including the Ooh. major, uh, the, the, the headline, Is Cruella the Future over the top? So I don't know how I got on that tangent of, of footwear, but I do have a crazy collection, not hoarding, collect, that's where I was, <laughs> collection of exotic dancer shoes. The there are all right so for me speaking of shoes um it is always interesting because i've got um some issues with my feet so i also have to be very careful about the shoes that i choose and most often i choose something that's flat maybe has like a, a minor heel to it but it's closed toe um i'm trying to design a cosplay right now that is a 1950s like pinup girl version of a pokemon oh my god uh, found these incredible shoes incredible four inch heels oh yeah four inch of heels um they're amazing i don't walk in heels at all but are they fabulous good god yes just it just takes some getting used to you can do well, it well here, here's the trick heel toe just keep thinking in the back of your mind heel toe heel toe heel toe it's when you try to put your weight on both the heel and the toe that mm -hmm. it gets precarious. So as you're walking heel toe, heel toe, heel toe, heel toe. Okay. All six, <laughs> hold on. All six foot four of me as I'm just walking down, like wobbling up top, heel toe, heel toe, heel toe, well, heel toe, heel toe. Then it'll be six, eight of you. So, yeah. Oh my God, Emily, you're so right. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see a photo of that tray. That is... That's going to be amazing. Tell me more about your costumes. Uh, mine? Yes, yeah. you. She knows about oh. mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to be honest, a lot of mine are very Pokemon inspired. But what I love to do is a mashup. Um, for me, I try to find real world um, inspirations for different things and just try to think of like, Oh, where in where in our society would this Pokemon like be expressed, or where might you see them? So, for instance, like the one that I've got back here, um, that is based on Umbreon, which is this uh, black and yellow, uh, black and yellow Pokemon. So it's a very simple design, but it is a it is an overcoat, it is a sash. Um, it is an inner robe and then a pair of harem pants that all sewn by hand. Um, 
So did all myself. And I based a lot of the designs on Middle Eastern. I pulled a little bit of inspiration from okay. Asian culture. Um, I've got a, um, a pre, sorry. Uh, I did that so it'd be easier to see. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Um, and all your all your Pokemon background things there too. Yeah, nice. I might be a little obsessed. I'm not a hoarder. I'm a collector. That's right. So, some of my other costumes, um, I did a recreation of a of a 1906 Russian um, da -da -da inaugural gown. Um, I forgot who wore it, but it's um, by a by some prince. And so I took that inspiration and I did Articuno. Um, so all of it was done up in blue, but it's a, a, a fairly re, uh, fairly uh, faithful recreation of that 1906 dressing gown. Badass. Um, and then I did a repurposed Doctor Strange costume that like monk style uh, for a psychic type. So they're they're not always historical but i try to find like real world inspirations for things and yeah. try to apply that to the pokemon and just kind of go from there i i love it and that actually plays to one of the questions in here about uh how do, how often do you reach back historically and like victorian and, and that sort of thing trey you probably have a better answer that than i do i mean other than the the uh, steel bone corset techniques and some of the hoop skirting and, and bustling. Uh, mm -hmm. uh -oh. oh, I don't know what happened. Uh, she's, she's back. Oh, the video's frozen. Uh oh. Maybe it's just a connection issue. Oh no. You're back. Okay. Excellent. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about, so other than the steel bone corsets and some of the various hoop skirts, whether those be, um, and panniers, Emily, is that how you pronounce it? Do you know what I'm talking That's, about? The, yeah, it's the, the, the side ones, right. or the bustle pillows and that sort of thing. I, I don't often, but Trey, it sounds like you do pull on historical creation techniques. No. Uh, so much like you, I try to MacGyver a lot of it or do as much modern construction as, as I can. Um, mostly because some of the older some of the older techniques while they are incredible um it's also time consuming and so what i'm often at um at a battle with is fighting time against like historical accuracy for making a historical costume so it's that balance of do i do i go fully faithful for a historical costume or do I cut some corners and use the modern yeah. conveniences yeah. for things and just get it done on the project schedule that I want to get it done on? It's it it it's tough. Although that does make me <laughs> that does make me think about. So I I will be honest. I'm an ugly ducking duckling. I I grew up you know not in the popular crowd, not thinking I was pretty, that sort of thing, and. Um, so I've, I've realized as an adult that I'm not completely unfortunate looking. And so when I make costumes, I try to, well, oh, sorry, I, completely I, I to unfortunate them, looking, <laughs> I, I, I try to make them flattering. Um, so even when I do the, the bustles or the, the, uh, panniers and that sort of thing, I, I still try to make them flattering. Well, um, I don't, uh, several years ago. Um, I, I do you guys remember Box Trolls, the claymation Vaguely, movie? Box yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to make Madame Frufru, who is, uh, a, if you haven't seen it, I want to do a spo spoiler, but she's basically a drag queen. And so I wanted to dress, I, I was a woman wanting to dress as a man, dressed as a woman. And she had this crazy silhouette with large, you know, large hips and behind. I watched so many drag queen tutorials to make that but did indeed make this crazy behind <laughs> so that I could, I could cosplay being this, a woman being a man dressed up as a woman. And it was, it was, it was really a lot of fun. So it is techniques. Um, and if, if you two will indulge me, and I'm, I'm talking way too much because you've got me no. so excited. This but, is wonderful. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to address is uh, making everything as a cosplayer. So mm -hmm. uh, I personally, because I like the creation process and Emily and Trey, it sounds like you do too. I like learning new techniques. I like trying something different. I like the feel of the fabric. I like doing that. So most of what I, most of what I wear, I make. I also work with artists that I appreciate. So I mentioned, you know, the wig, I worked with a wig artist and the crazy circus skirt that somebody else made. So I try to appreciate other artists. Um, and, you know, at a certain point, I buy corsets because they take so much fracking work and they're so expensive. And so when I have a late deadline, I'll buy a corset. What frustrates me are the particular group of cosplayers that believe you need to make everything from scratch. Um, I vehemently, borderline violently disagree with that. I don't care whether it is a closet cosplay where you pull pieces that you already have. If you buy from Amazon or any of the, you know, it, it, the huge costume making, like Ruby's, the huge costume making things. If you commission, I don't care if you have a t-shirt that has the character's logo on it. If for you, it embodies the character and you enjoy it, go for it. I mean, it doesn't have to be hand by hand construction. It can be a blend. It can be none. It can be literally some Velcro on a t-shirt. And that that's something that, that I hope that my friends in Extended Network have embraced about kind of who Amberl is and, and how I interact with the cosplay community. Because I truly, I make things because it makes me happy and I enjoy it. Okay, let's be honest. Sometimes I curse the hell out of it. But even the cursing is part of it, right? I mean, I'm sure you guys know that. Um, but, and it's part of it. But if you are embodying a character you love, I truly don't care. Bought, borrowed, made, probably not stolen. I'll put that caveat in there. I don't think it matters. You know, I have something to add to that, too. Because I, when I first went to Comic-Cons, I was really surprised at something I didn't expect and that was the openness the acceptance and the inclusion that I experienced there and to have an atmosphere like that here's an example um and you know this I think because I told you privately but I had been doing fashion design and fashion design is uh it's a business it's 
it's design, it's art, but it's also a business and it's a tough business. Things are proprietary. They're held secret until the last second. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of styles that get stolen. You have to be careful. So from that perspective is what I went to a con with because I had made these gigantic black wings and an outfit to go with them. And I showed up and I did not get, I did not expect to get asked to my face how I made it. Because as a a fashion designer, nobody asks that because they know you're not going to answer it. And you're probably going to tell them to like, go away. The kindest thing you're going to say is to go away. (laughs) Because that's just not something you ask. And so people are coming up to me asking, oh, you know, they'd say, forgive me for not just knowing what character you are, was the first thing that floored me. Well, of course, I don't expect you to know. That's wow. (laughs) But they were so kind. And I had people come up to me and ask me how I made them. And I was really hesitant to answer. And it took someone just openly sharing with me how they made their costume. And I was like blown away by how sharing and open and I'll even show you how to do it sometime. Or let me send you the link to the YouTube video that taught me how to do this. And I was like, you guys are amazing. And you don't care that I would know how you did it. That's cool. And so it was such a cool eye-opening thing for me and I loved it and I thought it was amazing. So for you to say that there are actually people in that world that believe that you should actually handcraft everything you're wearing to be a cosplayer, that blows me away because it seems so opposite from the mentality that I experienced. And I, I would, I, I, I do firmly believe that what you described is 92 at nine, 95% of it. Yeah. But you know, there, there is still some, and I, I do remember that, that conversation. I mean, we really had some interesting conversations, Emily, because uh-huh. it is different because I hadn't been part of the fashion world right. until the fashion week participation. Right? Yeah, we kind of like, uh, we, we had the right. reverse perspective and even condom couture, Mm-hmm. Those um those spanned both worlds, right? And so, for those of you who don't know, Common Couture was um, it, it's held in multiple cities. The one here in Charlotte was to benefit the local Planned Parenthood. You make the outfits out of all condoms. I have that's a whole other cocktail conversation about really condoms are weaker than you want them to be. <laughs> you cannot anyway. Like I said, a whole other thing. But that that blending of the fashion and the cosplay world, I came from a totally different perspective. And when we had that conversation, I had just experienced it, having gone through Fashion Week. It is, it, it is supportive in terms of techniques and tutorials. Absolutely. I, all right, I think I've talked about this before, but the person that I want to give probably the biggest shout out to for encouragement to actually get started and who started teaching me a lot of different things was Emily. So I didn't expect you to say my name. Oh. <laughs> um. So Aww. Emily, I don't know if I've talked about this. If I have, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to talk about it again because it's a really fun story. Um. At at some point, I was um while I was staying with Emily, uh, she let me use one of uh this sewing machine. And correct me if I'm wrong. It's an all metal sewing machine from the 19. 19- 50s or 60s it's one of the other i don't know it's a big old metal uh, sink uh kenmore 
but it is this it was this incredible machine and i was like you know I, i'm kind of nervous about it i don't have my own machine just yet but i like i really want to get into sewing and so so i would be working on this pattern and she would stop by and just go okay it looks like you're trying to do this with it can i can i show you a couple of things so i was like yes please um and so emily was honestly one of the first people to sit down and like start showing me different things and encourage me to get on youtube to look up a couple different things or just give general advice for things but encourage the exploration of use different fabrics try it who cares if it's not on the back of that recommended fabric list use it anyway you like it use it just find a way to use it oh, i love that sorry keep going trey i was just i, I love that inspiration um so and then she opened me up to the whole world of um home decor fabrics as potential fabrics to use for uh lots of things and that is both marvelous and dangerous to my wallet oh God, so much so um so that is a very long rambling tangent to say thank you um also there was one night that i was sewing quick a uh, quick anecdote there was one night that i was sewing that she took a picture from behind and i was like why are you taking a picture of me unbeknownst to me she had put googly eyes on the sewing machine <laughs> i forgot about that oh my god that's awesome and I had my phone sitting out next to me, and she just comes behind me. She takes a picture. She walks back. I don't even hear her, like, giggle, nothing. She just, <laughs> boop. <laughs> and then the next thing I know is, bing, bing, no, uh, phone notification. I stop sewing. I pick up my phone. It's the back of my head with this this <laughs> thick yellow circle of googly eyes on oh my the God. sewing machine. <laughs> We have to find that picture. Friendship. Oh yeah, <laughs> that that the top ten lists and the uh, the googly eyes. Those are just <laughs> those are such a fabulous record of your friendship. Yeah, these are the hallmarks I'm... of our friendship. <laughs> I don't remember that picture. I remember it now that you describe it. But we have to find it. Maybe it's back in our Facebook Messenger <laughs> messages from ages ago. Uh, we'll have to look back at that. I think. I think I actually posted it um, to my Facebook. Uh, I'll see <laughs> if I can find it really quick. Okay. That would be amazing. <laughs> I I have stick on googly eyes. My sister sent me like a package of like a thousand of them or something. So I have this bag of googly eyes, individual ones, and they are on everything. Like if it wouldn't take, yeah, here, my scissors on my desk. There's googly eyes nice. <laughs> everywhere. I, I I still find condoms in random places. <laughs> we need to explain <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, but I, 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 I do have to ask, do the googly eyes have anything to do with the Gary Busey eyes? No. Wi-Fi or anything like that? Shockingly, no. no. Okay. Uh, do we need to explain the Gary Busey thing? Have we talked about that yet? Well, we explained the customer the situation. Yeah, the exclamation. And Gary the Busey top just is that what you oh, mean? Oh, no, I just, no, I just meant like on the podcast. I don't know if we've like, oh. talked about it while we've been recording, but that can be for a different time. I think we did on like a Get to Know You night that we did a long time ago, but I don't think I published it. I think it was just like, if you were tuning in live, you got the raw us. And if you weren't, <laughs> then that was it. It was gone forever. Um, okay. I like the raw you. <laughs> <laughs> we're a little, um, what's the word? 
We're pretty good impromptu, extemporaneously good. Um, uh, can I be? So, um, oh, sorry. Uh, I do have a quick condom story for you. Yes, I think we should explain that, though, so that anybody who just tuned in knows what in the world we're talking about. <laughs> yes. So um, there there in it, it's it's an event that is held in multiple cities for for different. But in Charlotte for I think in total it was five years. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're listening, forgive me. But um, so it was a it was a benefit for Planned Parenthood and it got increasingly bigger every year with really extraordinarily fundraising but the designers that were part of it had to make the outfits out of uh, out of condoms and it couldn't be just like a condom stuck on your lapel like i forget the exact percentage but i want to say that you had to use at least 300 condoms or do you remember emily i i, I don't remember the percentage or something like that but having it, come it, from the recycled design world it felt like a number that to me felt low, but it was like three or 500. And I was like, wow, that's a small dress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but it was legit and there were some, yep. some crazy designs, but just so everybody knows. So the, the coordinators provided you with the condoms and there were, you know, there were like 12 different colors you could choose from. Um, and fortunately they were not in a package and they were not, lubed because otherwise yeah, it would have been oh very very difficult to work with and um as i mentioned they are much weaker than you want i mean you have to, to glue them is one thing to sew them you rip them apart i mean they're 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 very painful to work with but my funny story about that is um i was traveling for work so the i think it was the second one I did, the third one I did, the, um, the theme was various countries. And I had Egypt. And it was one of the times where I was not my own model. I had a good friend of mine be the Egyptian model. And um, I was I was making her a wig out of condoms that had been pulled open and her breastplate and everything. By the way, she walked down the runway with my uh, retired racing greyhound also decked out in condoms to do to do Egypt. But um, I was I was traveling for work and I was running late in the creation of this. And so I packed, you know, a big bag of black condoms and embroidery scissors and some threads. <laughs> I could work on this wig when I was in the hotel room. Well, going through TSA, I was a little worried because I thought they would catch the embroidery scissors. And indeed, they, they pulled me aside. But no, they were not interested in the embroidery scissors, this TSA guy pulls out this bag of black condoms right it was it was literally a thousand black condoms and he just looked at me and so i said what you've never seen a thousand condoms before <laughs> but no that's not the best the best thing was he's then like um are they new i was like oh no i'm traveling with a thousand used condoms like what does that say about me but anyway so yeah that was what that, a that, question that, I know, I know. Yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. Are they new? I re I remember you were the one I called because I couldn't find a glue that would stick them. It was the shoe glue. Yeah, I and I ordered some on yeah. Amazon, and that saved my life. So you've saved my life for sure because that made that dress that year. The coolest thing. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I just said it was a it was a it was a fun event. Yes, one of the coolest parts of the one I did 
uh, was that the was it the following year? It was the f- fifth year. It was the last one because I went. I bought tickets and watched instead of participating that year. Um, so I was so happy to see all the designs that year. Everybody really stepped it up. It was amazing. Oh yeah. And uh, the girl that had won the auction for my dress the year or two before, whenever that was, had uh, posted on her Instagram. We found each other on Instagram and followed each other. So she posted on her Instagram that she was going to be wearing my dress that night. And so I was, I could not, I could not, I was so excited. I was like, this is like the coolest thing ever. Uh, And so I showed up and I had to find her. And I finally found her in the crowd and I got my picture taken with her wearing my dress. And it was really cool. And it was cool that it all fit and everything. That was, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. It's um it was it was it was fun my my yeah it was it was a fun event i understand why the coordinators it was a hell of a lot of work so i understand why they they decided to to discontinue but it's been one of my favorite things in charlotte emily it was one of the best events even with the other things that went on because of it but it was yeah it was visually was awesome what a fun crowd too oh yes yeah okay so trey has sent me the picture he found it the picture of the googly eyes on the sewing machine and so i am ready to share it oh my gosh yes please oh my gosh that makes me super happy totally forgot that's my old kenmore sewing machine (laughs) so uh yeah i um when i was 20 something um and i had i was out on my own and my mom decided to come and we went um garage sailing and we bought the sewing machine at a garage sale for $15, and it's still the machine I use. It I is. love that. Yeah. It is the machine. Literally, I feel like that thing could just about sew through anything. <laughs> it was, you would put your pet, you would put the pedal down, like, just a little bit, and that thing was flying. That, that too. Oh. It was, and it may not stop. <laughs> it's, I've had to replace the pedal on it. <laughs> Good times. Uh, two quick questions come to my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, one, uh, who is someone dead or alive that you would love to collaborate with? And let's see. Uh, the other one. one is, do you have, um, are there any projects or are there any conventions that you're going to in the future? That was uh, my that next we... question too, yeah. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Uh, uh, that we can expect to see you at. So for the first one, and of course, being being live, I'm going to blank on the name. That's okay. The, the designer who did all the Effie Trinket one. Oh, I'll look it up. Uh, quick. Yeah, I mean, his work is unbelievable. It, it it just, I would love to collaborate on a an interpretation of a character. Um, a lot of his things tend to skew S and M, which that's a whole other conversation. But I, I just I appreciate the flair and the, the style, and so that's who I would want to collaborate with. Oh, um, Alexander yeah. McQueen. Yes, McQueen. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, so that that would be one for sure. And then Terry Mugler. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm pronouncing. Got mm-hmm. that. That has some of those crazy. I mean, 
the perfume is angel, but I think they uh, just some of the crazy like sci-fi metal and wings and things. So would love to collaborate with the two of them. I could see you collaborating with Iris Van Herpen as well. Oh yes, yeah. I, Emily, I just want to uh, collaborate with everybody because I'm extremely <laughs> aware of my fault <laughs> and the inspiration that I can get from others. I mean. Uh, there, there's so many maybe the three of us should collaborate on something Ooh. i could well, be on know, board with that uh, that could be that could be a lot of fun uh, and for in for events so my next one uh, the next one in the lineup is dragon con which is in atlanta it's always held over labor day weekend uh and so i will be there with i am hoping to debut five new costumes which Actually, it's less than I used to do before COVID, but I'm kind of at a point now where it's it's about the enjoyment and not the stress of having multiple costume changes every day. Um, and then, I, then I'm also taking what we affectionately call drinking costumes, which are basically co- closet cosplays that it, closet costumes that you put together with what you have and still embody a character. But that's the next one up. So, one last question from our audience is from Credence: Are there any styles you would love to do that you haven't tried yet? There's so many probably, huh? Yeah, there's there's always something new. Um, so I would say uh, style-wise, um, what I don't do a lot of are kind of the uh, true structured fabric. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of like Bridgerton. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't do a lot of those styles, although I admire them because setting sleeves gives me hives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, there are certain things that for whatever reason I have a mental block about and setting sleeves. I literally, if it's not spandex, which you just run up the line, I literally take the, the arm piece and I cut elastic to fit where it's supposed to go. And so I literally put elastic on the sleeve before attaching it so that it's the sort of, I, I don't have to like ease it as I'm going along. But some of those really structured historic, I know it's crazy. No, that's brilliant. I I don't know if it's brilliant. It just, it, it helps me because I, I, I've had so many misplaced sleeves where they end up like (laughs) crazy, crazy things. Um, So, but that helps, helps me. So I don't have to worry about easing them. So some of those structured historical styles, um, I, 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 I'm certainly not, um, skilled in and it would be fun to try because let's just admit it Bridgerton was also costume form it was oh yeah and continues to be I get excited that it's still a series that will continue absolutely so where can our audience you're on Facebook do you have an Instagram or anything else we can Um, share I do I I was late to the game with um, Instagram and so I haven't yet kind of gone all out but it's the same it's at at Amber Olinea okay I think that my Facebook is in the chat thank you thank you so much Um, happy to connect Um, Emily to our conversation happy to share tutorials and ideas and thoughts happy to collaborate on a group you know just uh, and I, I just have to say I Thank you so much for the privilege of being on this. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm obviously super passionate. Um, I, I I love kind of learning and collaborating. Trey, I'm totally ready to do a tutorial with you on how to walk in those heels, especially if you're six foot four. I just, I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, thank you so much for, oh, I'm sorry, Trey. 
I think we're saying the same thing at the same time. Go Thank ahead. you for being here. We appreciate it so much. And it's been a lot of fun. Thank you again. And go take care of those puppies so that uh, you don't have a mess to clean up. <laughs> yes. Eight dogs and four cats. So we're pretty much a crazy choreographed household. But my husband brought three children into the marriage. So I figure I get to have as many pets as I want. Deal. Yep. <laughs> All right. Fair. <laughs> Great. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thank Have you, a wonderful Amber. night. <laughs> that was great. That she was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Toast to Caponis. That's right. And then we'll dance. To Caponis. Who we miss terribly and try very hard every day not to have breakdowns because of. Yeah. We I said to Josh upstairs when he was uh setting up to moderate tonight i said thank you for moderating it's really hard for cap to be here these days so i really appreciate you stepping in to do it mm. and i'm pretty sure cap would have appreciated that humor <laughs> <laughs> he's laughing somewhere yeah have a good okay, night bye. everyone <laughs>